But Acts chapter number 20, and I'd like to begin reading at verse number 6. The Word of God says, And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and came unto them to Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'd ask that you'd bless your word this morning. Lord, I confess my weakness. I confess my inability. But Lord, I know that you give us the victory from day to day. So I ask, Lord, that you'd be glorified in the preaching that you'd be lifted up high and holy, Lord. God, that you'd accomplish in these hearts that are here today that which would bring you the most glory, that which is most needful, that we might effectually walk with you. Lord, we love you this morning. If there's any amongst us lost and undone, show them their greatest need, that need of Calvary, before it's everlasting too late, and we'll be sure to thank you. We ask all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, most of you have probably read this passage before, and uh, I'll tell you, this passage gives me great comfort. You say, preacher, why does this passage give you great comfort? Because it lets me as a preacher know uh, that uh, if folks fall asleep while Paul preaches, I'm not doing too shabby, amen? And uh, it lets me know... Uh, that, uh, that as God works in the human heart and in the human life, that there's grace to be found in His eyes when we mess up, when we make mistakes. Now, Paul, the Bible tells us, is on his second missionary journey. He's coming from Philippi to Troas, and he meets there uh, in a house and begins to teach them and preach the Word of God to them. And uh, the Bible uses this terminology there in verse number 9. The Bible says Paul was long preaching. You say, what does that mean, preacher? It means the same thing then as it means now, amen? It means long-winded, long preaching. Uh, Paul did what all of us preachers do, you know, preachers are the worst liars in the world. They'll get up and tell you they got three points and then feed you 30. Amen. And uh, that's kind of what Paul was doing. He was up there and he was preaching and he was teaching. And the Bible tells us about a young man by the name of Eutychus. Now, how many of y'all struggle with Bible names sometimes? Do you ever struggle with them? Sure. We're very unfamiliar with them. I heard a preacher put it this way one time. He said the best way to remember that young man's name uh, is if you'd fell out of a window and broke your neck, Eutychus too. Amen. Uh, Eutychus was the young man's name. And as I read this passage, I was struck by a thought. Uh, that really is maybe a little unorganic to the passage before us. But I believe when we really look at it, we find that this is a passage about a man that literally 
fell out of church. Could I say to you today that there's lots of folks that are here today that wasn't here last week, and I praise the Lord for that. But can I tell you that there's lots of folks that aren't here this week that were here last week. Amen? There's lots of folks that aren't here today that were here a year ago. And the reality of it is you spend any time in church, and there's going to be times that you're going to see folks fall out of church. Let me say it's a lot easier to fall out of a window than it is to fall in a window. Amen? It's a lot easier to get out than it is to get in. And when I read about this young man, I'm reminded as a dose of preventative medicine that every single one of us, there's not a one of us that's above it. It's but for the grace of God go I. Every single person sitting in this room, if we're not careful, we could find ourselves out of the house of God in a year's time. That's the stark reality of it. And I think sometimes we look at folks that have given up on church and got out of church and we get awful judgmental. And I understand they're not doing the right thing. I understand they need to be in church and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I think sometimes it's easy to get prideful and it's easy to get haughty, uh, especially if you're like me. And I, I was raised in church. Church has always been a part of my life. I wouldn't know. I don't even know what folks do on Sundays when they're not at church. Amen. I don't even know where you go. I don't know what you'd be about doing because church has been such a regular part of my life. But the the reality of it is I'm just as weak and frail as anybody else. And if the right set of circumstances came along and if in the weakness and infirmity of my flesh I gave in to what the devil would have me to do, I myself could find myself out of the house of God in a year's time. You see, the, the truth here this morning is that every one of us needs this. Now, some of you say, oh, no, preacher, the people that need this ain't here this morning. No, every one of us needs this. And let me tell you why. Because it's just when we get comfortable that we find ourselves out of the house of God. Preventative medicine this morning. And I want to show you a few things. Can I show you, number one, the reasons that he fell out of church? Now, we could go down the line and we could talk about folks that have got out of church. And we could tell a 100,000 stories as to why they got out. This one got out because they got their feelings hurt. This one got out. This lady got out because somebody fixed the same dish at the potluck that she fixed. And this fella got out because somebody sang the same song that he had sang. And this woman, she got out because somebody wanted to teach a Sunday school class and she hadn't got to. And this one got out because of this and that one got out because of that. But at the end of the day, those are really symptoms. They're not really the causes. You see, at the end of the day, there was something going on that caused them to get in such a fragile state. And that's what we need to deal with this morning. It's sort of like this. If someone was to say, how, why was it uh, that Eutychus uh, fell out of church because he fell out a window? You see, it's very similar. Yes, that's technically correct. But we'll find three reasons this morning that led to him falling out that window. I want to say number one. Notice closely with me what the Word of God says. Look at verse number nine. The Bible says, And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. Now, let me go ahead and tell you, lest anybody get nervous. I mean, I, I'm sure everybody in this room's dozed off time or two. I, I'm not talking about physical sleep this morning. Now, we all need to be up and, and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and so on and so forth. I, we, we understand that. But I'm talking about a different kind of sleep this morning. And let me say that one of the reasons that Eutychus fell out of church, and one of the reasons that lots of folks fall out of church is because they're sleeping through their education. You see, Paul was up there preaching. Now, uh, listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. This isn't false humility. 
Uh, but I guarantee you, if the Apostle Paul walked through them double doors uh, and stood behind the pulpit and began to preach, he'd probably command more attention than I do. Now, I'm being honest. I'm not being falsely humble and so I'm not poor mouth and I'm not, uh, I'm not baiting and fishing for confidence. I'm being truthful now. Most of us would perk up a little bit and we'd listen a little closer. We'd say, hey, that's the Apostle Paul. And, you know, there's lots of times we feel that way about the Word of God. But what happened? Paul was up there preaching, and then he started long preaching. Amen? And you know what happened? Eutychus got used to it, and he fell asleep. Oh, we need to be familiar with the Word of God, but we need to understand there's a danger that comes along with that familiarity. We need to be familiar with the house of God. We need to be accustomed to going to the house of God. best thing you can ever do for your family is get them in the habit of being in the house of God. But understand that with that, there does come a danger that we need to be cautious of. And that's that we're here, but we're not here. That's that we're here in body, but in spirit, we're somewhere else. I've seen, listen now, I've seen Christians die on the vine in situations like that. I'm talking about folks that was at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But sure enough, their spiritual life completely decayed and, uh, and, and fell away because they were sleeping through what God was trying to do in their heart and life. Listen, every single one of us, we need the preached Word of God. Whether we realize it, whether we acknowledge it, whether we like that fact, every one of us needs the preached Word of God. And it's funny, you know, we believe that the prayer, that God is powerful enough to give the preacher the message for the church, but sometimes we don't think He's powerful enough to give God the message that we need for the individual. You listen carefully? Let me give you three ways, just to clarify it. I feel like you're not with me, or maybe you're just worn out already. I'm not even long preaching yet, amen? You're going to be struggling. It's a good thing it's one-story building, amen? (laughs) But let me give you three ways that I see people sleeping through their education. Number one, by being half into the house of God. Uh, Most of the people that you hear gripe about the house of God wouldn't know nothing about it because they're never there, amen? Listen, it takes three to thrive. It still does. And this half in, half, nobody stays half into church for very long. Eventually, you'll either get in or get out. If we need it, we need it. And understand that a lot of times people say, well, I just wish God would do something in my heart. Well, he might if we found ourselves in the house of God. Well, you know, I just, I, I just wish God would do something in the church. Well, he might if we found ourselves in the house of God. You see, that's one of the ways God's trying to do something. Paul had a message for Eutychus, and Eutychus completely missed it. Wasn't no problem with Paul's message. Wasn't no problem with the Word of God. Wasn't no problem with the church. The problem was Eutychus fell asleep. A lot of times God is trying to do something in our hearts and lives, uh, but He can't do nothing if we're not here. Amen? I, I think being half in is one of the ways that we sleep through our ed- education. Let me give you a second one. I think hard-heartedness is a good way we sleep through our education. I, I mean, listen, there's some folks that just that you can tell. that You can see it. They've got it on their face. Go ahead, preacher, bless me if you want to. Go ahead and try. See if you can. Just see if you can get anything through. And there's some folks, listen now, that come through the doors of the house of God week after week. But if you were to peek at their heart's doors, you'd find that they are hard as a coffin nail. Because somewhere along the way, the Spirit of God said, All right now, let's get this right. And they said, Nope, that's too much to ask. And you know what happened? They went to sleep. Oh, they hear the messages. They hear the preaching. They may even sit and open their Bible and read pages of words on pages. But they never have their heart warmed up to the truths of the Word of God. Listen, we ain't going to get much out of church when we're mad. I'm just telling you the truth now. Some of you are saying, well, preacher, it's a preacher that made me mad. Well, maybe so. But I'm just telling you, you ain't going to get much out of church if you're mad. 
You ain't going to get much out of church if you're bitter. It ain't no wonder. Listen, when a fruit begins to rot, it don't matter if it is on the vine. It'll rot just the same. Amen? Isn't that true? If it starts to rot, it's going to rot just the same. Some of y'all raised gardens. Some of y'all raised gardens this past summer. And some of y'all, you had them tomato plants, and you looked, and some of them, before they ever fell off the vine, they were rotted all the way through. Some bugs, some parasite had got to them. And some would say, but preacher, they're on the vine. It doesn't matter. If something gets in that'll corrupt it, it'll corrupt it on the vine just the same. And let me say that you don't have to be out of church to get out of church. You don't have to be out of church to get bitter. You don't have to be out of church to get all gnarled up and uh, cross with God. It can happen right in the pew. Think hard-heartedness. Let me give you a third one. This isn't even really my message, but, you know, if I'm a long preach, I've got to preach about three or four at the same time. Let me say that I think haughtiness is a good way that we sleep through our education. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, one of these. Well, I wish so-and-so had been there to hear that. You ever heard someone say, I've heard people say, it. boy, I wish so-and-so had been, boy, if so-and-so, and, and don't misunderstand me. I understand sometimes what we mean, if someone would have got help from it. But, you know, I, I feel that there's a danger sometimes in that mentality, because you know what we're implying? We're implying, I wish so-and-so had been here to get something out of that, because I didn't. That wasn't about me. That didn't apply to me. Well, I'm thankful the Word of God's a love letter, aren't you? And it's funny, though, you know, when we need promises, when we need encouragement, this whole book, Genesis to Revelations, is for us. But then when we need correction, uh, when we need admonition, when we need chastisement, then all of a sudden we get real dispensational and this book ain't for us. Amen? Then all of a sudden, oh, that's for so-and-so. That's for them. That No, listen, God knew who's going to be here. Funny thing about God, He's pretty smart. Amen? I'm not trying to be smart, Elk. I'm just trying to get you to understand the folly of that kind of thinking. I wish so-and-so was here, or if so-and-so, or if this, or if that. God knew who'd be here and who'd need to hear it. God understands. We see that He is sleeping through His education. And I think that's... Uh, listen, I've known folks, good folks, saved folks. Uh, my job up here this morning, I'm not up here to, to say, oh, well, there's those that ain't here, and then there's those that are here, and we're better than them that ain't here. No, if you think that's what I'm doing, you've missed the whole thing. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that them that are here is a heartbeat away from being those that ain't here if we're not careful. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. And I've known good folks, saved folks, folks that love the Lord, folks that were trying to do the right thing, but they allowed something to get in that shut their ears to the preached Word of God. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't for them anymore. And pretty soon, they began to wither. Pretty soon, you could see it. You could see it in their disposition. You could see it. At one time, they were faithful. At one time, they were plugged in. At one time, if anything needed to be done, preacher, I'm the person to do it. And then all of a sudden, they're AWOL. They're MIA. Where are they at? Well, I don't know. Where'd they go to? And then on the vine, friend, on the vine, people in the house of God in church, hearing the preached Word. Eutychus was in the right place, hearing the right thing. He was uh, living in the right way if he was in this place because you didn't go to church casually in this time. You went to church, you might lose your head for it. I'm saying Eutychus was a good man that still fell out of church. He was a good man. I see that he was sleeping through his education. Let me give you a second thing. I see that he was sitting too close to the edge. A lot of places you probably sit in that that church house, but Eutychus chose the window. Friendship with the world, the Bible says, is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 
You know one way that your church life can die off? You know one surefire way that you'll get out and there's a good chance you won't get back in? is when you start flirting with the world. Listen, the problem is not that Jesus don't satisfy. The problem is that sometimes He don't satisfy us. Don't you find that's true? I, I find this. I find that Christianity today is so weaned on a worldly appetite that when they get a taste of Jesus Christ, they don't know what it is. They don't know what to do with it. They've got to have all of the smoke and the lasers and the entertainment. They've got to have the honky-tonk atmosphere. They've got to have it as close to the world as they can because this old preaching, praying, shouting, singing, they don't know what that is. They've spent so much time sitting in the window that they forgot what the inside looks like. I bet you, I don't know this. I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't know this. But most of the time, people sit by a window for one of two reasons. They either sit there because they want to look out. You remember what it was like in school, didn't you? You'd go into your classroom, man, you'd about trip somebody trying to get that window seat so you had somewhere to look out, not have to pay attention. And sometimes people sit by the window uh, because they want to look out. Then there's another reason I found. You know, sometimes folks sit by the window because it's just getting too hot for them to stand. People talk about hard preaching. People think hard preaching is when you shout. Or hard preaching is when you run an aisle. Or hard preaching is when you snort and spit. Or hard preaching is when a boy gets in such a way they starts hacking. Listen, that's not hard preaching. Hard preaching is when we take the truth and show it so naked and boldly and so uh, apparent before someone's face that they have no option but either get right or get out. That's hard preaching. That's what hard preach. Hard preaching isn't about doing a backflip. Hard preaching isn't about becoming a, a rodeo clown in the house of God. That's not what hard preaching is about. Hard preaching is about looking at people and loving them enough to tell the truth to them. And sometimes people don't like that. Sometimes it starts to get too hot in the house of God. And they say, I've got to get a breath of that worldly air. I've got to get something. It's one of the things that concerns me, not about our young people in general. I hope not about them, but, but just about young people in, in general. Not our young people, but young people in general. Is they, have been, they have been so weaned in a worldly atmosphere that they can't fathom living in any other way. You tell them that God expects something more of them, and they look at you like you're an alien, like you've got a third eye coming out of your head. And I fear it's because parents and grandparents and great-grandparents have raised them to be that way. I see that he was sitting too close to the edge. Let me give you a third thing. I find that he was seeking a place of elevation. You know, the Bible says that there were many lights in that upper chamber. Many lights. And what did Eutychus do? It says he went up to the third loft. Eutychus wanted to be in a place where he could be seen. Eutychus wanted to be in the highest place that he could get to. You know, it's still true what Christ said in the book of Mark chapter 9, that those that shall be first shall be last. And those that shall be last shall be first. One quick way, listen, one quick way for you to get discouraged and get out of the house of God is get to the place where everybody always has to pat you on the back. Get to the place where it's always got to be about you. Everybody's always got to notice. Everybody's always got to brag. Everybody's always got to give you some kind of affirmation. Sure as anything, there'll be someone come along, look at you cross-eyed, and you'll be out. I've given the illustration before, and, and I mean, I, listen, I've not literally seen it, but I've seen the next thing to it. I, I mean, uh, you, you see somebody sitting over on this side of the church, and over on this side, somebody's there yawning because I'm getting long preaching, amen, and, 
and a big old fly uh, flies into their, you know, throat, and they get a cross-eyed look and look over at them people over there. And then those folks over there are sitting there wondering, well, what's their problem? What did they look at me like that for? And then all of a sudden, those folks right there, they look at the person in front of them and say, do you see the way they looked at me? I don't know what's the matter with them. And the person in front of them says, well, you know, they looked at me like that last week. Then they turn around, look at the folks behind them and say, you know, I think it's just that whole side of the church that way. Amen. You wonder why I preach on this side sometimes and that side other times. Depends on who needs it, amen. Right now, I'm walking right down the center aisle. That ought to tell you something. What I'm saying this morning is this. You get to the place where you're so wrapped up in everybody's approval. Somebody's got to brag on you. Somebody's got to make a big deal out of you. You've got to have the biggest. You've got to have the best. Everything's got to be about you. You'll get out in no time. won't take long. You get to that place where you have to be seen all the time. It's always got to be your way. It won't be long. You'll fall out. I see the reasons that Eutychus fell out, but I see the results of his falling out. I want to say this with as much love and compassion as I can. I'm being serious. It's hard after laughing all that time not laugh, but but I want to be serious when I say this. I want to give you three things that, that come from people getting out of church. And these things aren't about ministries getting big. They're not about the pastor feeling good about himself. These three things are about the church, the church family. First off, I want you to notice that the sleeper was dead. That's what the Bible says. He fell out and he died. It was a miracle he came back. A miracle. When he fell out, he died. Understand that you don't hurt anyone worse than yourself when you get out of the house of God. You need it. I know we don't feel like that. I know the devil don't tell us that. I know the world doesn't tell us that. I know sure as anything that our alarm clock and our comforter don't tell us that on Sunday mornings. I know that. But you need it. You need the house of God. You need a church family. You need the preaching of the Word. You say, oh, preacher, you say that because you're a preacher. No, I say it because the Bible says that God hath chosen the foolishness of preaching. We all need the preached Word of God. I need the preached Word of God. Every one of us needs the church house, no matter who we are. Sure as anything, you'll die on the vine if you get out of church. It won't be long. You'll be miserable. I, listen, there's lots of folks that them getting out of church is the reason that their, their homes were wrecked, that their lives were wrecked. Oh, what a difference it would have made if someone along the way would have come by and just woke them up and get them to understand the importance of what they are missing. I see that the sleeper was dead. But I want you to notice the second thing. Now listen carefully or you're going you're gonna to get all, all ill with me. I see that the service was disrupted. Now some of you say, oh preacher, you're, you're telling me that this man fell out a window and died and all you're worried about is that the service was disrupted? No, no, that's not what I'm saying this morning. What I'm saying this is that there was a work to be done that couldn't be done because Eutychus fell out the window. This isn't easy. But I fought the devil for two days straight, and I'm not going to let him win now. Two days solid, and I'm not going to let him win now. There's a work to be done that won't get done if you ain't here. Funny thing about it, church ain't about people, church ain't about money, but it takes people and it takes money for the church to operate. And I, and I ain't even preaching on tithing. I mean, things are good, the Lord's blessing. But I'm just saying, if you ain't here, it matters. There's work to be done. There's a job, And I don't know if you're aware of this, but when you're not there to do it, someone else has to do it for you. I've seen, oh man, I've seen in churches where people just work folks to death. And, I, and it's easy to do. I tell you that as a pastor. It's easy. There's work to be done. It's got to go on. 
But, you know, it would be a lot easier if everybody would be where they need to be when they need to be doing what they need to be. Service was disrupted. Service had to stop because Eutychus fell out the window. And I wonder how many ministries have had to stop because folks fell out. I wonder how many works that God was doing had to stop because folks fell out. I can tell you right now of things that we've done at this church that had to stop because folks fell out. No, it's not ultimately. Their spiritual condition is more important. But don't think for one moment that it's not important that those things can't go on. It is important. It's vital to a church life that we have people serving God and being where they need to be when they need to be. I see that the service... Now, I got you all mad at me. That's okay. I see that the service was disrupted. But now, listen, I see that the saints were disturbed. Paul comes down, falls on the man. And you know what he he said? He looked up and he said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. You know why he said, Trouble not yourselves? Because they were troubled. (laughs) Amen? I I, I mean, I I didn't even have to get out of Greek concordance to know that. Amen? That's why he said that. He said that because they were troubled. And listen, I understand we need to come through those doors because we love the Lord, because it's the will of God. I'm aware of that. I'm not trying to get anybody to do anything for other folks that they wouldn't do for Jesus Christ. But listen carefully this morning. You know that it affects your church family when people fall out? Sure it does. Sometimes, and, and I don't even know how to say this, because I, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to seem like I'm being ugly or saying something I'm not trying to say. But there's folks that are, that are at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They're there constantly and consistently, and they usually make up a core group in a church. And then there's other folks that are there when they want to be, kind of occasionally. And I think it's hard sometimes for those that are not there regularly to realize how bad it hurts those that are there regularly when folks fall out. It hurts. You ever had a death in your family? It hurts. It hurts. This church in Acts chapter 20, then their family. And let me say that it's a lot the same way. And God leads people different directions. I'm not talking about there's some folks. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't fault people for going out and following the will of God. But folks that just get out. Folks that just fall out. Folks that, that, that this is where God would have them to be. And then they're elsewhere. I don't think they realize what it does to a church family. How it hurts them. How it troubles them. Not because they want a bigger offering. Not because they want pews. Listen, if we wanted these pews filled faster, we'd just take all the extra ones out. Amen? It's not about that. What it's about is that a church family loves folks and loves the people in the church family. They care for them. They know the road of heartache that they're headed down. They know the struggle that they're going to have. And it breaks their hearts. We see the uh, results of him falling out. Let me just give you these. I'm just going to hurry. You know, I told you about preachers lying at the beginning. I'm trying to be like Paul this morning. Amen. I want you to notice the rescue from his falling out. Let me tell you something. There's, there, there are folks, there's a good chance anyway, I'm no prophet, but there's a good chance that there's folks here right now that will have fallen out in a year's time. But listen, let me give you the encouraging news. There's also folks that have fallen out that may be back within a year's time. There ain't no reason once we fall out we have to stay out. There ain't no reason once we've backed off in our walk with Christ that we can't get back closer. There's no reason. We can do the right thing. We can make the right move. Let me ask you this. What as a church family do we do in response to those people? Notice three things that I see in this passage. I want you to notice that first off, there was a falling on. 
It says about Paul that he fell on him and embraced him. It's hard to do. I taught, I, I taught this in Sunday school this morning. Loving as God loves. You know what people need when they fall out? They don't need to be treated like they have the plague. You know what people need when they fall out? They don't need to be shamed and bullied. What they need is that same church family that loved them for all those years to give them a call, to pay them a visit, to write them a card, to write them a note, to say, listen, I love you and I'm praying for you. Praying for you. I'm thinking about you. Our church family misses you. There's a lot of times that we try to do through bullying what we can only do through blessing. A lot of times that we try to do through force what we can only do through falling on them and embracing them. Paul could have done what most preachers would. I would have probably done this. I mean, I'm, I'm admitting to you. I ain't no Paul. I mean, I, I would probably say, what's the matter with him falling out that window, you know? Why is it that close to the window? Yeah, serves him right. He won't fall out again, will he, you know? That's human nature. Paul didn't. Paul understood that there are times when the service does have to be disrupted. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't have to be. Eutychus should have been doing what he needed to be. But once that happened, Paul stopped, went down, fell on him, embraced him. He embraced him. I see that there was a falling on, but number two, I see that there was faith. He said, trouble not yourselves. His life is in him. Now, I, I don't know <laughs> because I wasn't there, but fall, falling out of a, a third-story window is not good on your appearance. Amen? I mean, it's just not good. I mean, there, there's, you're bound to look a little disheveled. You're bound to be in rough shape. And I would imagine that as they all, like most Baptists would, stood and looked down out of that window, he probably didn't look like he was ever coming back up. But Paul understood that they had to believe that God was able to raise him up again. And sometimes there's folks that we think they're never going to get back in. They're never going to get back in. They're out of church. They're mad. They're bitter. They're never going to get back in. Banish those thoughts from your mind because we have a God that can raise the dead. We have a God that doesn't... It don't matter if it's four days later, five or six or five hundred. God's able. We talk all the time about Lazarus. Well, you know, he was four days late. Well, praise the Lord. You know, I mean, that's wonderful. Think of all the Old Testament saints that have been dead for thousands of years and New Testament saints, that God's going to raise their body from the dead. Four days isn't anything. And sometimes it's easy to feel like folks got out. What are we going to do? They're gone. But understand that just as God got them in the first time, God's able. God's able. Now you say, preacher, this you're preaching at us. What about the folks that fell out? Folks that fell out ain't here this morning. What do we as a church family do? Notice the third thing. What does it say? The very last verse that we read. It said that they received him and were not a little comforted. We see there had to be a falling on. There had to be faith. But finally, there had to be forgiveness. You know, sometimes, I don't even, I'm trying to say this the right way. Sometimes, sometimes we multiply sins that we are prone to because we're condemning sins that we're not prone to. And sometimes it's very easy when God's given us victory in, in our church life, victory in being faithful to the house of God, it's very easy to look to the people that are struggling with that in condemnation, not seeing our own faults and our own failures. 
We need to understand, listen, if they get back in, they're never going to get back in unless you're willing to let them back in. Now, some of you say, oh, preacher, this, you know, it's church, I can come in, we don't lock the door, blah, blah. No, you know what I'm saying, though. You know what I'm saying. Let me ask you something. If you got out, and if you tried to come back, and everybody treated you with that ice-cold shoulder, and everybody treated you like you were a second-class nobody, how long would you be in the house of God? No, you see, it's really up to a church family to let somebody back in. Oh, we may let them through the doors. We may not escort them off the ground with the police. But when we treat them as though they have anathema written over them because they fell out and they're trying to do right and they're trying to get back in, we're doing the same thing as locking those doors. We've got to be willing to forgive. We've got to be willing to let them back in. I mean, you can imagine, and I don't know, again, this little sanctified imagination this morning, but at that time, it was not uncommon for them to keep the doors locked when the church was meeting. wasn't uncommon at all. They had to keep people from coming in, carrying them away. And probably, Eutychus, when he got back up, he might have had to come back and knock. And that church had a choice to make. Do we let him back in or do we leave him outside? Not everybody's going to get right the way you expect them or want them to. Let me say that again because I don't think you get... It's not profound because of me. It's profound because it's a Bible truth. Not everybody's going to get right the way you want them to get right. Or in the timing you want them to get right. Or in the manner you expect them to get right. And sometimes if people don't do it just exactly as we expect, we get real cross with them. We say, well, it ain't real. It ain't genuine. Well, who are we to say it ain't real and it ain't genuine? They may not got a victory over everything, but let's rejoice with them in the victory over what they did get victory over. They had to let him back in. They had to receive him back in. They had to believe he was going to get up. They had to believe there was a way. As a church family, we got visitors here. That, I praise the Lord for our visitors that are here. You've, it, it's, you've been our honored guests. And I'm not in any way trying to exclude anybody, but I, I almost preach this as a church family. What do we do about those folks? Do we get mad? Do we get bitter? Do we switch, switch lanes at the Walmart, you know? Or do we love on them? Tell them how much we miss them. T- tell them how church ain't the same since I ain't been there. Tell them I've been praying for you. I hope that you'll get back in. We better be careful because, friend, it could be you next year. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Oh, it's easy as we sit here in the church house this morning, isn't it? Ain't never going to get out, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted.